What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by Matt Sells. Uh, we are previewing Road America, NASCAR's third road race of the season, and it's on the 4th of July weekend, second straight year. NASCAR is going to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Matt, how you doing tonight? What are your plans for the 4th of July weekend? Uh, my plans are going to be in Florida. I'm going on vacation starting on the... Uh, well, we're recording this Wednesday night, so I will be on vacation Thursday night. Um and driving down to my lovely in-laws down in Florida. Uh, go spend a week down there and then come back up in time for the <clears> race <throat> in your neck of the woods, which would be Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, chilling with family. Going to go see some fireworks, have a good old time, watch some NASCAR, uh, and kind of cover part of it. You graciously will be covering the playbook this week. For the Cup Series and Xfinity, um, so thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, what are you doing for uh, Fourth of July? Nothing. I have. Uh, I'm actually off work on Friday. I'm going to a wedding, uh, and then Saturday and Sunday, I'm mostly just doing what I normally do on the weekends, which is just uh, <clears throat> edit and publish articles uh, for Fantasy Alarm and DFS Alarm. That's why I'm always in the Discord on the weekends and up until twelve o'clock on Sundays. Uh, but I'm sure I will uh, have some hot dogs, have some beer, definitely going to take in and enjoy both races because this could actually be the last time we see the Cup Series run Road America for quite some time if they take this off the schedule. Yeah, there is that looming with the Chicago Street Course rumored to be uh, in the works for next year. We'll see. I have mixed feelings about that. Uh, (laughs) You tried the Chicago market already. Chicago land's not bad. I don't know why you're going with a with a street course that never got off the ground for any other series because the uh, citizens revolted against. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see. I I don't know. I'd much rather if we're gonna go road racing. I'd rather go on one of the greatest road courses in the country, Road America, um, than make something through some random part of Chicago. But we'll see. All right, let's talk Road America because this is a massive road course. That's why we only have 62 laps for this weekend's race. Uh, That equates to about 40 to 45 dominator points. We will lose uh, fastest lap opportunities if there are cautions. Uh, Laps run under yellow do little favors for us. But this is a massive course. Uh, Break it down for us. Yeah, it's (laughs) 4.048 miles. Per lap, it's the longest road course in the Cup Series schedule. I'm not 100% if it's the longest one on the Xfinity Series schedule. I don't remember exactly how long Mid-Ohio is. I don't think Mid-Ohio is as long as this. No, I think this is probably the longest one. It's one of the longest ones in the world, to be honest. Um, But it's a great road course. It's terrain-built, which means that basically they just put asphalt on top of the rolling hills in eastern Wisconsin. Um, 14 turns. Some of them are pretty sharp. Some of them are more like kinks, like turn four is literally called the kink. Um, So, you know, it's kind of a perfect mix of Watkins Glen, Sonoma, and Coda in terms of speed and technical driving. Um, But one thing I will say is that there's not a ton of runoff area um, in terms of that's like beneficial to go into on this track. It kind of goes to to grass pretty quickly if you get off track. Um, 
And there's the dreaded uh, gravel pits, which some of these guys have found a couple of different <laughs> times uh, in their Cup or Xfinity careers. So um, the other interesting part is that they wind up pitting backwards from the way they normally pit, right? Like the crew is going to be on the on the passenger oh, side yeah. of the car. It's not going to be on the driver's side of the car. So that's going to throw... Um, I'm pretty stuff. sure NASCAR is going to institute some really weird... Uh, yeah, pit road rules, or usually here we find that there's like <clears throat> non-competitive pit stops, or they yeah. can only and you have to be tires or gas, sixty seconds from yellow from line to line on your pit yeah. stop or something there's like some, that. There's some there's some super weird um, pit rules here, and despite it being four miles long, there are not local cautions in NASCAR. So somebody wrecks in turn one, the guy in turn uh, eight who's on the like halfway through the course is still going to have to slow down for a caution, even though he's two miles from the wreck. <laughs> um, so, you know, th- there's some oddities about this track, um, but it did put on a pretty good race last year. There was passing here. There are passing opportunities on this track. So uh, I would expect to see it more like a Coda race that we saw, which was passing everywhere and tight driving side by side rather than a Sonoma-type uh, race where you couldn't pass. Uh, for Sunday's race, 62 laps. They are broken into 15, 15, and 32-lap segments. Uh, so you could go out and theoretically lead all 15 laps of the first stage, and you're probably collecting about 11 or 12 Dominator points. But in doing that, you are giving up significant track position at the as you head into stage two. Do you right. think that leaders anyone starting on the first three rows or even even whoever's leading with maybe three laps to go in the first stage do you think it's best just to pit so you can you're not going to get the point the stage points but you're at least helping your track position for set for stage two and as the race progresses because as we've seen in the first couple races um pit strategy at the end of the first stage is huge and if yeah. you stay out, it kind of screws you for the rest of the race. Yeah, because who did we we saw? What Dan, didn't Daniel Suarez lead the entire first stage of Coda, or the vast majority of the first stage? He, he of led. Coda? The, I don't know if he led every lap, but I, it was the vast majority of the first yeah. stage, and he yeah. won it. And then when he pitted, because everybody else had pitted with like two to go in the stage, he pitted at the end to win the stage. <laughs> And he got trapped in the back of the field, and we never saw him again. He was never heard from again until Sonoma, right? Um, <laughs> Kyle Larson tried the – now, last year at Sonoma, Kyle Larson won the first stage and then drove through the field and then won the second stage and then drove through the field and won the race. So they tried the same strategy again, except there was no passing, right? So he was very good in the first stage, and then he got stuck back in the field and couldn't pass anybody. Um so I think we will see. I think it's going to depend a lot on playoff position, right? If guys need stage points, they will stay out to get the stage points and then just deal with whatever comes their way. If you're kind of on the bubble and you're trying to secure your spot with a win, then I think you see them pit before the end of the stages to try to set themselves up for the end game, right? They'll reverse engineer the race. Um, 
But again, that's assuming that this thing goes green except for stage breaks. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see people break parts. Uh, I think somebody's winding up in the gravel pit and is going to need to be towed out. Um, whether that's Austin Sindrick or not, I don't know, but <laughs> he seems <laughs> to frequent the gravel pit here. Um, or if Ross Chastain gets dumped in there. Um, oh, do so, you think this is a race where Ross could get dumped? No, I mean, I think I think he gets... I think well, it's, it's got to come in the playoffs. Depends. Is he near A.J. Allmendinger? Because A.J. Allmendinger will absolutely dump him at the end of the race if that's if the point. two of them, given what happened to Coda. Um, will Chase and Denny Hamlin do it? No, I don't think so. But will A.J. Allmendinger, who can't qualify for the playoffs? Yeah, I think he might <laughs> if they're close enough. Uh, brief look at the schedule for this weekend. I'm excited because if you've – Follow the truck or Xfinity playbooks. I don't like when I only get these short windows to kind of add updates to the playbook. You get like a to... whole day, man. Oh, I hate it. Um, but this weekend we get Xfinity practice and qualifying at 5:30. I'm not going to be watching it live because I'm going to be at a wedding, obviously. But I will record it. Um, and then, but I will have example lineups this week because I will be able to digest the starting order for Xfinity. I will also obviously have the example lineups for the cup race. Um, really looking forward to breaking down the cup playbook. If I'm going to cover, uh, the cup series playbook, I like doing it on either like Martinsville or road courses. There you go. Uh, See, I saved you <laughs> next week. <'Cause laughs> you would have, you would have jumped out your apartment window if I had given you the playbook for next week and you know what's sad is like <laughs> atlanta is probably the closest track to me talladega is actually a pretty close second um darlington's probably not far either <laughs> really that's probably like two or three hours yeah it depends on traffic in atlanta like you <laughs> if you don't uh, need traffic going north you might make it to darlington before you make it to atlanta motor speedway <laughs> But I've started getting the the, uh, the email <laughs> notifications and the phone calls from Atlanta Motor Speedway to secure my tickets, and I still don't know if I'm going to go to either Xfinity. Uh, it's going to be hot, man. Yeah, I, I'm not excited. Like, it's going to be hot as hell. I went to the July races last year. It was super hot. Uh, and I'm just not excited for this hybrid, intermediate, super speedway Breakfast. drafting kind of style of racing. I'm sure it, it, it probably looks good live, and I'll make it out there one day to watch, but I'm just not dying to go back to Atlanta Motor Speedway anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you and I went and saw Daytona live. That was pretty sweet. But like, I mean, that's an experience, though, because Daytona itself, like, they, well, Daytona sells itself. Right. The track is massive. Like, you can go on the track and you know, walk up the banking and it's, it's awesome. It's a great experience. I can't really do that right. at Atlanta. Not so much, but like I was just saying, the racing <clears throat> is phenomenal until you watch your money burn in person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like it, it's a pretty favorable schedule, right? So the cup series has practice and qualifying on Saturday. There is, there appears to be a little bit of a time delay um, on that based on what I'm seeing from... Yeah, it starts uh, at 11.30, but USA doesn't get coverage until noon. Right. So what I'm hoping is they tape delay it, and then they mm -hmm. just skip some commercials and they make up ground, basically. Are they streaming on Peacock for starting at 11.30? I don't know. That's a reasonable question. Um, they might be streaming on the USA app, though, mm. um, starting at 11.30. 
Um, so it's certainly worth checking into. Um, TV will start at noon. You get practice and qualifying, and then the race is 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. And guess what, folks? There's very little chance of rain in Elkhart late this weekend. It's going to be in the low 80s and basically no chance of rain. So all weekend from Friday through Sunday. So that's pretty nice. That's a phenomenal forecast, actually. Um, all right, so let's just talk briefly the strategy with road courses. We say it every time. You don't really need to target uh, dominators because uh, you could have a guy lead the entire first stage, but if he falls backward, what good are the dominator points? Right. Um, so it's, you know, don't target guys up front for the dominator points. If they get them, great. That's gravy. Um, but, you know, you really just want to target finishing position, get some PD, as Matt alluded to. Earlier, this was a track that you could pass at last year. For example, Chase Elliott started 34th, finished first. And granted, I should add the caveat that there were some really good drivers that just qualified poorly or didn't run a qualifying lap at all. Uh, but yeah, Elliott some folks wrecked out in practice and basically chose to start at the qualifying because yeah. they had to go fix their car, go <clears throat> back up, whatever. Um, this was actual qualifying last year. It was not the point system. Um, so Elliott started 34th and he won. Kyle Busch started 40th, finished third. Kurt started 16th, finished fourth. Chase Briscoe started 35th, finished sixth. Uh, Austin Dillon started 37th, finished 11th. Ricky Stenhouse started 38th, finished 12th. Those are some of the more notable ones. Uh, Bubba Wallace started 36th and finished 24th. Ty Dillon started 39th, finished 26th. Um, kind of interesting. Nobody starting in the top five finished in the top seven. Tyler Reddick started fourth, but he finished eighth. So it's almost like, I mean, I mean, there were some good pit, drivers. I mean, pitch strategy was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, there was, I think, late somebody's tire had it or brakes had an issue. I remember somebody catching fire last year. I think it was a brake fire. Or an engine fire, one of the two. Maybe it was Ryan Priest catching fire with his engine. Um, but yeah, it, it's not like there was a ton of people that wrecked out. There was like four cars that failed because there was a couple of transmissions, brake issue, and an engine issue. Um, but yeah, pit strategy had a bunch to do with it. Also, Chase Elliott is just really good on road courses. So. Yeah, so. <laughs> You don't need to target the pole sitter, or you don't even need the winner. Um, I was scrolling through Twitter earlier today, and uh, Race Sheets uh, on Twitter, it's at Race Sheets DFS, uh, tweeted out some pretty helpful uh, information about optimal lines from last year's Xfinity race. Kyle Busch was 10,900, won the race, but he was not in the optimal lineup. Um, he only had 51.6 DraftKings points, but if you mix and match the right value plays, the right guys to spend up for PD and finishing position. Uh, you really don't need the winner at a road course to hit the optimal lineup. So keep that in mind. Um, you'll, we'll probably see like if a guy like Kyle Larson is on the pole for road America, do you potentially think that we see his ownership at like 20 to 25%? Probably. I will. Because if he finishes be... outside the top ten, he's not in the optimal. If he finishes out the top five, it's 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 not a guarantee that he's in the optimal. Yeah, I so I don't know how much Sonoma is gonna mess with people's Larson you know, ownerships, right? Because he was on the pole 
uh, for Sonoma, and everybody's like, oh, he's just going to run away with it and go lead a bunch of laps, right? And then pitch strategy was not his friend. Um, now, obviously, different kind of track. You can pass <clears throat> here. Four miles is an awful lot of passing chances. Um, but there's just something missing from that five team when they get to the race. And it hasn't just been on road courses. It's been everywhere this year. They've been fast at practice. They've put up long run speed at practice. And then they get to a race and they can't find that speed. I, I don't know if they second guess themselves and change something in the setup between qualifying and the race or mm. what. But it's been everywhere. Like if, like I said in the playbook for... Um, or maybe it was the prize picks piece. Like, coming into last week, the most laps he'd led in a race was, like, 31. Yeah. Right? Like, and he didn't lead any last week. Sorry, 51. He led 51, but it took a 400-lap race for him to do it. Right? So, it, it's just interesting to me that they... And he was having practice. a terrible first half of that race. Yes. <laughs> But it's just interesting to me that they keep pricing him this high, and then they watch him. Like, he was 10-6 at Sonoma, led 26 laps, 13 fastest laps, and only got you 26 DK points. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I don't know, man. I He also finished 29th at Coda. Uh, I'm actually surprised that I thought DK was going to be smarter because I can understand that you're going to depress – price tags and salaries for road courses. But when you're doing it, at a, they elevated price tags almost for Road America when there are fewer dominator points. So it's it's almost like you can look at the five drivers that are priced over 10K and three of them probably are not returning value. I think I like Ross Chastain the most out of these 10K drivers. Agreed. Um, Agreed. At 10.3, that's an <clears throat> insulting price for a guy who's been very good everywhere i mean the team is just showing up with speed at all kinds of tracks he won coda earlier this year track house has won the first two road course races of the season and we'll touch on his teammate later on in the podcast uh but ross chastain has been competitive consistently and he went down last week like he was 10-5 at nashville now he's 10-3 yeah it's just it's just interesting. But, yeah, I mean, Chase Elliott's going to be really popular. It's 11-1. It's a road course. I can't argue against it, right, especially since he started all the way in the back and then won really, last year. The only argument against Chase Elliott on a road course is that you're just trying to differentiate yourself. Like, Because um, what's he done? He started second, finished eighth at Sonoma, had a good run, you know, 43 points. At 10,400, you're not hitting that 5X value. But uh, you're not really, you don't, I mean, yes, it'd be nice to hit 5X. We look at value differently like, for reverses. Yeah. Right. So, and at Coda, he started 12th and finished 4th without any fastest laps or laps led. That was 48 points at 10.5. Yeah. So, again, under the, the 5X, but still, 48 points is a pretty healthy I feel like you're trying to get six drivers in your lineup that can get 45 points on average. Basically. Yeah. Um, so Elliot's a good play, good road course, good road ringer. Um, is there anyone else you wanted to touch on? I know we talk about, like, we're kind of just glossing over everyone here. We don't know the starting order. We're just kind of examining prices, and I'm 
I, for one, am stunned that they're pricing people up with only 62 laps for Sunday's race. I want to talk to you about Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Christopher Bell, a.k.a. JGR. Go for it. Are you are you in on JGR this week? So, not Bell. Um, I feel like we... I, I tried to cling on to his Daytona road course win from over a year ago. I clung on to that a little too long. And there's a decent floor with Bell. Um, you know, he's got 37 points last week, 23 the week before at Sonoma, 34, 48, 40, oh, 42 is at uh, the All-Star race. So it's like there's an okay floor, but there's nothing about what Bell's done this year that screams slate breaker. And even if he's starting far back and offering PD, then he's going to be chalk and everyone's going to be playing him because he's a relatively decent price tag. Don't have a ton of interest in Denny Hamlin. I will likely play Kyle Busch a little bit because I'm going to guess that he probably qualifies maybe outside the top 10. I'm really intrigued by what they do, what Martin Truex brings to the table, because it's obviously a week after JGR announced that he's coming back for one more year. His car was very fast at Nashville, but JGR tends to excel at those flatter tracks, those shorter kinds of tracks. Um, and that's a track that kind of ran like Dover, and to no surprise, Truex had some fastest laps on both tracks. But here we were two weeks ago, talking, or actually three weeks ago, we were talking about Martin Truex Jr. at a road course, Sonoma. He started 28th. And he only moved up two spots to finish 26th. And he is a good road course driver historically. He finished seventh at Coda. But it's really going to come down to where these guys qualify. I do like the price tag of 9600 for Martin Truex Jr. You know, he is one of the better road course drivers. I'm hoping last week's performance and the speed that car had um, maybe rejuvenate him. I didn't have a ton of confidence in him earlier in the season. I mean, granted, he finished outside the top 20 last week, but the car was fast, so. Well, that was... Yeah. JGR had a really dumb late pitch strategy that caused well, I There were some reports that Kyle Busch was told to stay out, and he didn't. And when he came to pit, it dragged Denny and Truex with him. Oh. That was a report I saw. I don't know if it's substantiated. It's from a guy who is on the inside with... with NASCAR team, like, he's a part of a NASCAR team, so I tend to believe it, but yeah, that was that was horrifyingly bad pit strategy uh, at the end of that race, no matter who it's on. So, I would tend to agree with your, with your takes on JGR. My only concern is that, in general, over the last 10 road course races, their green flag speed has not been good. In general, across the board. Their best run was Denny, I think it's Sonoma, when he put fresh tires on the car late in the race. So that's that's not great. I will say that Road America is probably more like Coda in terms of length and passing ability. And Truex started 17th and finished 7th. And he was 9700 so he's $100 cheaper now. <clears throat> I don't think Road America is as technical of a track, though, as Cody. No, it's not. 
It's certainly not, but that also means it's not nearly as technical as Sonoma. But the, zero. the comparison is just like, you know, the ease of passing and how many spots there are on the track that are make themselves available to passing. Yeah. Okay. Um, you also have coded like 3.6 miles a lap, That's right? That's So It's long. And you have that straightaway between the hairpin <clears throat> and I think turn 12, maybe, <clears throat> or t- between 10 and 11, whatever it is. Where they get up to about 200 miles an hour. You have the same thing down the front stretch at Road America before you have to send it to a 90-degree turn. So there there are some similarities, right? Not, I would still say Coda is more technical than Road America. But in terms of length of lap and passing opportunities, those are there, and he did pass well at Coda. So I... Uh, my only question with Kyle Busch is, are we going to get lucky because he's not had very good road races this year? Sonoma was not a good race for Kyle Busch. Not, like, not in the least. He spent well, most of the time... <laughs> no, not pout- when you start 12th and finish 30th. Yeah, he spent most of his time pouting and wishing he could just drink while he was driving. Um, <laughs> Dakota, he started 15th and finished 28th. So, like, not been great... Not been great. Now, I think at Coda, he was caught up in something or had a terrible pit stop, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah. Kurt Busch, I'm fine with. He proved me wrong at Sonoma. Um, he did go backwards, but he showed decent speed. Um, and Bubba, I can't play. I'm sorry. I don't care if the Toyotas are fast. His pit crew is flipping horrifyingly bad. Yeah. Like, it is... Where do you stand on how he was acting on Sunday? I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. The people that do need to look at themselves in the mirror and wonder if they would sit there and call Kyle Busch out for any... Kyle Busch parked his damn car in the middle of pit road because (laughs) he was done with a race and the car could make the corner. He was just too lazy to park it in the garage. (laughs) And people stand up for Kyle Busch. And then Bubba... I do that. And then Bubba turns around and goes, my pit crew sucks and everybody wants to kick him out of the sport, right? Cole Custer yelled at his pit crew, too. Ain't nobody care because it's Cole Custer. So, like, can we stop using Bubba as a lightning rod? I mean, it's how many times does Bubba just consistently get screwed by his own pit crew? A lot. Like, a lot. Um, was it Kansas where he basically worked his way through the field twice only to get penalized by his pit crew and he still finished 10th? Yeah, he passed 60 cars in the top 15 under green at Kansas. In a 267-lap race, he pulled off 60 passes of the top 15 cars, which was the most in the field, and it's an astonishing number. So... Yes, the car is. You want to know what's interesting about his pit crew? It's like they essentially have to pit in reverse because the car comes in and the crew right. jumps over the wall from the other side. So it's like if they can't even like get over the wall and do a clean pit when you know Bubba approaches from their right, like what are they going to do this time around when you know the car is coming in another direction? Yeah, and plus I, Bubba has kind of openly said he doesn't really like road courses. No, he he has, um, you know, poked fun at himself, saying he doesn't like the right turns. Um, that being said, He's it was 
it was tough to tell exactly what went wrong there at Sonoma because I, I thought he had decent speed. Um, uh, I vaguely remember he had a mechanical issue, what I want to feel like was stage one or two. Yeah, I mean, he finished 36, so it had to be pretty early because that's yeah. like there's only 36 cars in the field. Um, Coda, yeah, I think it was another pit stop or or. I think he got into a melee in turn one, if I'm not mistaken. So he's just risky. We're just covering all the Toyotas because there's only six of them. Um, but yeah, until his picker gets sorted out, can you honestly play him with any confidence ever? Not if he's starting in the top 20. I mean... And even just... if he's offering PD, it's still a gamble. Like, I'm not going to go super heavy on Bubba if he's starting outside the top 25. Right. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, look, we got to talk about Ed's favorite driver, Ryan Blaney. Ah, it was, yeah, let's talk about that because Ed's not here to gallivant about his guy. But Blaney, uh, since the all-star race, really actually his last three races um, at Gateway, started fifth, finished fourth, led, got a healthy amount of dominator points. Sonoma started 14th, finished sixth. Last week he started sixth, finished third. I had no shares of Ryan Blaney. Um, I've been pretty light on him. And even earlier in the year at Coda where he was on the pole, he still finished sixth. And so the negative PD does hurt him a little bit. But if we're looking at it strictly from a finishing perspe- finishing position perspective, he's been pretty good on road courses uh, this year. And he's coming in with good form uh, from Nashville, Sonoma, and Gateway. So, And at 9200 you can make this price work, especially on road courses. Yeah, for sure. Um, he won, um, what, the Roval once? Yeah, he did. Um, I don't he know if I want to give him. Uh, yeah, he did. He needed Jimmy Johnson spinning out Martin Truex Jr. in the very last corner um, for that to happen. Um, but let me ask you this. Is he going to be higher or lower played than Logano? I imagine it'll be he'll probably have more roster ship ownership, whatever we're uh, trying to call it nowadays. You think Blaney will have more? I would agree with that. Um, yeah, probably. Because most of the last two months going backwards. I mean, yes, I would agree. Like, Nashville started second, finished ninth. But he was yeah. never really, like, that ninth wasn't really. Like, I feel like he benefited because all of JGR crapped the bed late in the race. Well, right? also, keep in mind, I mean, he only got that qualifying spot based on right. the qualifying rain. run where they canceled the the second part of qualifying where the top ten is determined. Because if you looked at his your practice to qualifying table, you would have noticed like he qualified way too high because I think he was outside the top 20 in practice speed. Yeah. He got benefit because the clouds showed up for the second half of round one of qualifying, which gave more grip artificial. Cause if you look at Kevin Harvick, he did the same thing, right? Qualified yeah. eight <clears throat> and not great in practice. Um, Cause all of the Fords showed up at qualifying somehow. And it was because they all ran under cloud cover and got the benefit of, of grip in the track. Um, but it's Sonoma, Logano started ninth, finished 17th. Um, you know, it, it's just not been, and it, Coda, 
Started sixth, finished thirty first. So like, not great. But to be honest, the guy, the the Penske guy that's going to have the most, uh, that's going to be played the most is clearly Austin Sindrick at eighty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Like I'm not even sure that I there's agree. a debate here because A he's the cheapest, B he's the best road racer of the group, and he's just spent the last two weeks starting in the mid twenties and finishing in the top seven. So. Like, I, there's not really a reason not to play him. No, I agree. Um, I think we were talking last year, or about last year's race. Um, his green flag, his green, I struggle with this term. His green flag speed was great, uh, but he only finished 35 laps. Clearly had an issue, uh, I remember. Yeah, his transmission went out. That's right. Um he so like couldn't that, get it out of second gear or something, which is a tough yeah, way so, to go around Road America. <laughs> <laughs> so that explains the poor finish. But I mean, he basically in the Xfinity series when he was full time, it was pretty much for the most part, it was just him versus AJ Allmendinger on road courses and, versus the gravel pit. Yes. Um, so this this is a track where Cindric probably has more experience than the rest of the field. Um, so eighty five hundred. For a road course specialist, even though, yeah, I mean, he was fifth at Sonoma. Yeah, and by the way, the fifth at Sonoma was on a track he'd never raced at competitively in his life. Yeah. So, uh, I missed the boat on that one. I thought that Sonoma being super technical would be too much for him to pick up in one race. Uh, I was wrong, because apparently he was the only one that figured out how to pass at Sonoma last week. Uh, AJ Allmendinger noted road course ringer he's going to be in the yes. playbook just yeah yeah you, you can get exposure to him no matter where he starts um i'm kind of scrolling how about through some this. of the cheap how about some of these cheap guys oh thank god um, we're going right to the values i didn't want to t- discuss the mid-range the much. mid-range is so all over the place it's basically going to come down to where anybody qualifies right yep. because i can make an argument for kurt i can make an argument for tyler reddick i can make a an okay argument for chase briscoe not so much Bowman is my favorite play of this bunch without knowing where. Bowman, there's Daniel Suarez at 7,700, getting all sorts of disrespect after dominating at Sonoma. And, by the way, leading most of the first stage at Coda. Um, you know, Stan House had a good run here last year. McDowell is a very good road racer. Well, let's um, talk about McDowell real quick because he's a value play. Yeah. He is. I remember we were, I want to say it was like a year or two ago that we were talking about Michael McDowell. I think it was actually ahead of the Coda race or something. Um, you were trying to talk me out of Michael McDowell as a good road course racer. I didn't buy it and I didn't play him, but he still finished very well. But he did finish third at Sonoma a few weeks ago. Um, at Coda, he started 27th and finished 13th for 44 points on DraftKings at the ripe price of $6,200. And if we're talking recent form, Michael McDowell's actually been performing pretty well. Uh, coming off a 13th place finish last week, uh, he was top 20 at Gateway, even though he finished right around where he started. He did lead 34 laps. Um, he was eighth at the Coke 600. Like, he is getting the most out of the equipment. And I, He's and got I, six legit top 10s this year. Yeah, and I do buy into the narrative that uh, he, he is a pretty good road course racer. So at the price of 6,800... I'll probably get some exposure. I'm trying to see how he did. He's also raced here in lower series, too. I mean, keep in mind that before he became a NASCAR 
you know, series driver, he taught people how to race on road courses. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he's quite good. Chris Buescher put up a very good showing at Sonoma. Like, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if there was a caution in stage three, there is a chance that Chris Buescher may have stolen the lead and the win from Daniel Suarez. Possibly. He, he had 16 fastest laps, him. and he only led four laps. Yeah, that was about the only way he was going to catch him, was he was going to need a restart and get the jump. Right, yeah. Um. Now, Coda, only so-so for, for Busher. But you also had to figure out that, um, you know, RFK Racing has been getting faster as the season goes on. Uh, Keselowski somehow wound up with a very good finish. It, well, he was. He was running very well. In Nashville until he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in the top ten at one point. I'm like, why is he here? Why, why is it a thing that's happening? Uh, Justin Haley is very disrespected at 5,900 bucks. And Ty Dillon is always, is always in play. I mean, the dude just knows how to move up. And that's all, you're, that's all you need from this price point. That's all you need from him. Yeah, I don't know how excited I am for any backmarkers this week. I mean, I'm definitely. I think I'm definitely I, going a thousand percent on Morris Hesemans. <laughs> but not uh, really. Don't don't anybody play that. Hey man, game. don't knock on Hesemans. He uh he was a nice little six X play at Pocono last year in the Xfinity series. Okay, um, well, I mean, far different level of experience, but. I think the cheapest I want to go is Joey Hand, and I think we disagreed a couple weeks ago on Hand because, for starters, he was $1,000, and we were discussing him before we even knew the starting order, but he started 17th, finished 20th. The top 20 from a guy like Joey Hand and Rick Ware equipment, that's totally fine, but from a DFS perspective, I didn't like the 6K price tag. 5200 I'm more than fine getting some exposure to. I would agree. I would agree on, on that one. Um Look, all you really need him to do is finish, right? And Joey Hand is a pretty um, experienced road racer. Um, So, you know, a a cheap road ringer is never a bad thing to put in at a a track like this. Can I talk to you about a guy that we haven't talked about, but in two road course races this year, he's finished 10th at Coda. And 11th at Sonoma. Sure. I'm trying to figure out who... <laughs> you don't who... think of him as a road course racer. It's Austin Dillon. I and don't think of him as a road course racer. <laughs> he's only 6,200. Oh, right. I know why I don't think of him as a road course racer. Because he's used... Because he's not, he's not a road course racer. Um, but the results are hard to argue with. Like, like I would I would take the top ten at Coda over the eleventh place at Sonoma because a Sonoma was more of a parade race. It was kind of like the Monaco of NASCAR. Like there was very little passing in that in that race in general. Um, Coda there was a lot more passing. He also started further back um, and finished better. So overall, as a 
it's a better race in my opinion versus starting 13th and holding 11th on a track where like basically nobody passed i'll say this too it's like i'll even take some shots on guys that if they're starting just inside the top 20 and they've shown me that their equipment can get a top 10 i'll take some stabs in a gpp if i'm multi-entering um like a guy like austin dillon i'm I, there's no way i'm playing cole custer um but even like a guy like eric almarola i may take a couple stabs on you know he started 21st and finished 14th at sonoma uh at coda he started 25th finished 19th you know these these aren't like slate rip breakers by any mean but you know they are low owned options that if there is chaos or a you know a car gets off track in in the late stages and they can just move up that way then i want to at least get some exposure to these dart throws to differentiate my lives because it's it's a road course race everyone every town in the industry will you know tout the pd plays they will talk about the road course ringers they'll tell you not you don't need to rely on uh dominator points but there are these sneaky plays that will come in at sub 10 percent ownership and they will find a way to move up five six seven eight spots finish well and return value and i could see that happening with an almarola a dylan if they're qualifying in the high teens because no one's going to really want to play them under the fear that they may go backward and they very well could but this is how you you can take down a gpp in a road course it's like Busher sneaky has a very good resume that everyone will end up talking about this weekend uh, we've already talked about Cindric, um justin haley ty dylan they are going to be popular pay down options I could see a lot of people just glossing straight over Austin Dillon. I would agree. Um, he's hit buybacks X quite a lot this year. Like, yeah. a lot, a lot. He's done it in the last three races, for sure. Um, if you go back to Kansas, he almost pulled it off. He had 38 points at 8,000 salary, so he almost pulled it off. Then the week before, at Darlington, he almost pulled it off again and with 41 points at 8,500 bucks. Um, but then Talladega, five X, more than five X actually. Um, uh, Martinsville, like eleven X. Um, Richmond had like what seven X. Um, he had six and a half X at Coda. Um, so at all sorts of different tracks, he is hitting value he crushed he almost had 5x at phoenix or sorry at vegas um and definitely had it at uh auto club so like he's just been very very solid for dfs all year and he's 6200 to give you an idea he was austin dillon was 6900 at sonoma and he was 7000 at coda so why exactly has he dropped uh, $800 since Coda and all he's done is back-to-back top 11? Finishes? He's coming in with three straight top 15 finishes, too. Yes. Especially at a 6200 price tag if he's finishing in the top six, top 15. He's paying and it if off. You go back, if you go back, back to Darlington, he's got 9th, 13th, don't count the All-Star Open, which was second. But 9th and 13th, 22nd of the Coke 600. But then 15th, 11th, and 14th. 
So he's got five top 15 finishes in the last six races. Yeah. He's probably $1,000 too cheap. And I know it's a road course, and we think of him more as a super speedway driver, but... Well, let me put it this way. He's averaging 34.2 DK points this year, right? Yeah. He's at $6,200. That's 5.5x, roughly. 5.5x, roughly. They're almost giving you 6x on his... Point. Are they trying to tempt us into Austin Dillon? Am I falling yeah, into know, their web? Do they know something? We don't know? <laughs> like, it's... Because 34 points per race puts him one, two, three, four, five, sixth. He's the sixth highest scoring driver of the year on DK right now. Yeah. And in terms of salary, he is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth cheapest. He's in the bottom third of the field in terms of salary, but he's in the top six in scoring. That is very interesting. And again, it'll come down to where he qualifies. Where uh, but qualify? I also don't think he's gonna. He has the ability to qualify top ten at a road course. No. I'm also not expecting him to win. Like, pure chaos would have to happen. For <laughs> but, it's, I mean, to give you an idea, DK Sportsbook have, has him at 100 to 1 to win. Right now. They have him. So he has about a 1% chance of winning, according to them. Yeah. He's in the same company as Eric Jones, Cole Custer, Kislowski, Almarola. Sorry, Almarola is 250 to 1. And Haley's being insulted at two fifty to one as well. But so Dylan is almost a thousand dollars cheaper than Almarola, and he has, according to DK, two and a half, two and a half times better odds of winning. That's insane. Because <laughs> Almarola is two fifty to one, and Austin Dylan's a hundred to one, so two and a half yeah. times better odds. I don't know. It's just I'm trying to like go a little bit off the board and like I saw Austin Dillon's yeah. price tag. I'm like, let's see how he did. He's done this year and he's done pretty well at the road courses. Yeah. Also, my daughter would love it if you plastered Austin Dillon all over your lineups because that's her favorite driver. I will plaster Austin Dillon in the playbook. Unfortunately, my other much. daughter's favorite driver is not very good at this discipline. Unfortunately. Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> my younger one likes Bubba. She got very mad at her at his pit crew last week. She was watching the race. <laughs> she and everybody else with eyeballs that could see that the race was not his fault. Yes. Uh, any other last uh, final thoughts on what we should be doing this weekend? It's kind of this is kind of everyone's last chance to get some advice from you. Yeah, a little bit. So I've already pre-started writing the track breakdown that'll be out on Thursday. That'll be fine. Um, then I'll have a betting piece out on Friday on PicksWise. That's right. It'll come out while I'm on the road. Um, it'll just have the winners in it. I'm going to wait till qualifying and practice to post prop bets because picking matchups before we know anybody where anybody is starting is like suicide for betting. Um, so that'll happen. I'm also going to have IndyCar bets out uh, for Sunday's race. I believe that they're at Mid-Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then F1, I will have a betting piece out with the winners 
out on Friday as well for Silverstone. However, I did make a note in the F1 Discord. If you're looking for a playbook this week, there won't be one. Um, I'm not going to have Dan write two playbooks for me. That's not fair to ask him to do that. I also uh, don't. I, I openly don't know enough about F1 racing. I watch it. I enjoy right. it. I don't know Now, anything. he can answer your questions in Discord. But I can try. To put together the whole playbook is just an unfair ask. And since the schedule happens the entire time I'm on the road, I would have to sit there when I get to my in-laws and watch four hours worth of practice and qualifying and then put out a playbook for a race that's going to start at like 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. So um, feel free to go ahead and play it. Watch practice. F1's website is very good for showing results. Um, it's way easier to use the NASCAR's website. Let's put it that way. Um, and so, but I will be back uh, doing full coverage for everything next weekend. I will not be on the pod, though. You will have Ed Rouse and Mr. Malin here uh, to, break down, to, to break down the craziness that will be <laughs> Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's so crazy they're not even doing a practice for Atlanta next week. Um, so, yeah. So, everybody have a good and safe 4th of July. I will be doing radio hit on uh, with Fenstein and Ronis on Alarm in-game on Thursday evening, if you want to listen to that. Um. But yeah, other than that, we'll see. I may watch the race. I may not watch the race. It depends. I don't know what I, I don't know what <laughs> vacation plans are. I'm just showing up, and then we're gonna let it ride, however the hell it plays out for the next week. But that's um, what vacation should be. But I do also want to say NBC's coverage has already kicked the crap out of Foxes. NBC, I agree. Already, uh, like the wheel demo as to how the wheels are falling off the car. Yeah. Why didn't Fox do that for the first month of the season, man? Like, this is why I think this is why I wish NBC and Fox would almost alternate weeks for racing, rather than give Fox the first half of the season and NBC the last half of the season. Or you know, we could just go with NBC. That too. <laughs> that too. It's the only major sport that splits, and I don't. Uh, uh, like, I know other ones have, like, split, like, Fox covers NFC games for NFL and CBS, CBS covers, covers AFC. AFC. But, like, it's not like CBS gets the entire first eight weeks and they just pick the best matchups regardless of league and then Fox takes over. Like, no, this is the only one where literally everything for the first half of the season is on one and then the second half of the season is on another. So even getting kicked to USA during a rain delay, their rain delay coverage was better. Like, yeah. All right. Well, Matt, love the thoughts. Appreciate them very much. Best of luck to you this week. Have a safe trip and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.